warning. The following podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. We dive into a variety of cases in both the U.S. and abroad. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of, like the Pocatello babysitter murders or the canal murders. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime, like the Tylenol murders and the Lindbergh kidnapping. We also dive into cases that are currently breaking thanks to DNA and forensic genealogy. Sometimes you'll hear from people connected to the cases, like the interview we did with the brother-in-law of the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now, including full seasons covering the Zodiac Killer, the Golden State Killer, and Ted Bundy, and new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Hello. And welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, these stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Welcome to another Aftermath episode. On this episode, I'm excited. I have Mike and Tab. Do you go by Tabby or Tab? Whatever you feel like com- comfortable calling me. Okay. Well, I didn't want to be like, oh, it's Tabby. And you're like, no, bitch, my name's Tab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's whatever. Just don't call me late for beer. <laughs> I'm going to put that in there now. Uh, I have Mike and Tabby from the Happy Hour podcast. Mike, Tabby, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Thank you for having us. Doing great. Thanks for this and getting me off work early. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for getting off work early to come and join me. Um, so why don't you guys introduce yourself, your show, what it's about, what you guys do, and then we'll get into the case. Yeah, uh, our show is basically just about almost anything, really. Uh, we do a lot of movie reviews and stuff like that. Uh, discussions about you know, things we like to do for fun. Uh, occasionally we'll have a guest from another podcast jump in and join us. Or one of our friends. Or one of our friends, yeah. And we'll just basically, it's your average hang out and have a few beers and shoot the shit. And that's really We it. have more than a few beers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of the episode, we also include a shout out, which is uh, 90% of the time, different types of liquor mixed. Um, but no, we just, we get drunk and, and have a good time. Kind of like you would at a friend's house mm-hmm. or, or at a bar hanging out with your friends. Yeah. How long have you guys been uh, doing your show for? Well, we had one show about two, three years ago. About two years about ago. About two years ago called The Trash Reel. And we had no idea what to do with podcasting. We just kind of hit the uh, record button on Anchor on a phone and just dropped. And then <laughs> a year later. <laughs> no no advertisement, no pre-planning. No just editing, nothing. Hit it's record just, and send it out and hope somebody hears it. <laughs> it was bad. It was terrible. <laughs> it was god awful. And and then uh, about a, it'll be a year uh, of August 27th, but about um, 7 o'clock in the morning, Mike sends me and Caleb, one of the other co-hosts, uh, special guests, uh, a text message. And and he says, hey, so you know how we get together at least once a week and we get drunk and we watch movies and like bullshit? We're like, yeah. He's like, hey, let's start a podcast and, and 
see what we can do from there. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had actually really missed podcasting. And I, I thought, uh, you know, there's there's got to be a way to make it a little more successful, even just a tiny little bit. And I I really missed it. So I thought, let's give it one more shot and just see what happens. And and now Happy Hour has just really blown up into something fantastic that's being heard in countries all around the world now. That's amazing. Where can they find you guys at? As far as listening platforms go, we're literally everywhere. We're on all of them. Uh, on socials, we're on Twitter at Happy Hour Show 3. Uh, Facebook and Instagram at Happy Hour Podcast 3. We have a YouTube channel, which is Beer Emoji Happy Hour Podcast Beer Emoji. It's a little bit hard to find, though. And uh, we are also on TikTok. We are on TikTok. It's what? the same, Beer Emoji Happy Hour Podcast Beer Emoji. Have you guys had any success with TikTok? Yeah. Our, our past few videos, the ones that we the made. The last ones we just made this past Sunday did really well. Yeah. Um, we did... Uh, I, you should, if you're listening, go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> They're quite funny. I, uh, quite proud of them. I did a reenactment of the Phoebe Cates scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh. <laughs> 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 now I have to go check it out. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but we, we're pretty much everywhere on social media. Mm-hmm. And Ladies Night, too. And Ladies Night. That's with uh, Jennifer from What, what I, I Had Heard. Had heard. And Designated Quizzers, right? Lisa. Lisa from Lisa Designated, from Quizzers. designated yep. Quizzers. I love those ladies. They're both awesome. I actually just had them Designated Quizzers on not too long ago. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really love good them. friends of ours. Yeah. So uh, so are you guys true crime fans? That's the biggest question. Usually I have other true crime podcasters, but you guys don't fall in that genre. So I have to ask, are you guys true crime fans? I'm a huge fan. I come back with a rebuttal on that one. I am not because my imagination is so wild, so vivid that if I listen to something like that, it would like the true stuff will give me nightmares. Like I will wake up in cold sweats and screaming. I, I, I don't. It's so, so I, it's funny because it's usually the opposite, right? It's like that stereotypical, usually it's the wife plotting the husband's murder who <laughs> listens to the true crime, right? So are you telling me that you're plotting her murder because you love true crime and she doesn't? No, no. It's, I think my love for true crime kind of goes back to my love for horror movies. And to me, when, uh, whenever I listen to true crime, uh, I just kind of, as best I can kind of try to make light of those situations and think, Oh, this is just a horror movie audio drama that I'm listening to. No, that's a good, that's a good perspective to look at it. I too am a, a very big fan of the horror genre. So I, I feel that it's something that I've been, and I hate saying it, but fascinated by it, you know, for since I could remember, I've always been into true crime. Yeah. So, well, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you guys. Uh, This is probably, we were talking a little bit beforehand, but this is probably one of the most brutal cases I've had to do. And I, uh, God, these guys are fucking gross. It's definitely heavy. It's heavy as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy is almost not even a uh, a good descriptor for, right? It's, it's. It's brutal. So 
what had you guys heard of this before? Uh, what was your guys' take on the episode? Uh, I've, I've heard of this case before, uh, like I was telling you, uh, off air on, uh, there's another show I listened to called Necronomapod and they did an episode on it and that's where I discovered it. Uh, and then I listened to your episode that you had sent us and, uh, it was, it's, it was really cool to hear like another side of it's another side of that story. It's there's more, there was more information that I had, that I didn't know about, uh, prior. No, yeah, and this one was this one was hard for me, man, because it it's the sad part is is it's pretty much as soon as they get they start committing crimes, they just go to the to the really really shitty part of your imagination. You know, they're already raping and and torturing girls, and and then when they start killing, it's just they're just man, it it's rough. It's a rough case for sure. Oh yeah. I I read somewhere because I did read up on this as well that it was like the first like 10 or 20 girls that they really didn't do anything to. They were just seeing how they could abduct them with, like silently and then it, it's like it what was it a 5 month span? 3 month Give or, or take, 5 month yeah, span in the, in that the they cage, got together yeah. and then just started fucking shit up. Yeah. Oh God! So, what's your guys' take on? Do you think a killer or killers are born that way, or do you think it's of their victims of their circumstances, nature versus nurture? I think that I think a lot of times, and over well, I don't want to say overall, but maybe eight out of ten times, it's a nature versus nurture thing. It always comes back to how they were brought up. As, and what their childhood was like, <clears throat> like how their parents treated them or how one parent individual, uh, one parent in particular treated like be it the mother or the father. It's, it's, it wasn't always both. My take on that would be absolute upbringing, um, lifestyle, either they're coddled too much helicopter parent, um, Norman Bates, for example, I know it's a fictional character, but that's an example or parents that don't care and the kids practically have to fend for themselves it 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 fucks you up and and the victims no not the victims not no it's their upbringing and and they had such fucked up upbringings in their past to where no one cared about them so why should they care about anybody else but what about the devil's advocate side of that? What about the people, all the people who have fucked up upbringings who don't commit crimes or don't kill people, right? So it's that, it's hard to distinguish. A lot of these guys, I, I do agree, the, and, and these two included, their environment definitely influenced their decisions and what they were doing and, and how they related to things, right? But it's still, it's it's hard to... It's just a hard question to answer, you know? But it's your choice. It's true. It could also be your choice as to, okay, this this happened to me when I was a kid. I'm starting to feel these urges. Let me go get help for these urges. Or let me go get help for what's going on in my mind. And I know back in the 70s, they didn't have it as much as, as we do now, the help they need. But at 
they could still have reached out. They could have said, hey, I need someone to talk to because this is going on in my head. Somebody could have talked them out of it. They could have nipped it in the bud before it got worse. But then again, you also have to think back in the day, if you had problems, you just shoved them down deep inside and you never talked about it. So that could have been like a Coke thing where they just, everything just kind of like shook up and then exploded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's another common theme that you see, especially in these older cases, is the the mental health aspect. You know, they were in a a generation raised by a generation who served in two wars, three wars, where they didn't talk about things, and your feelings, they weren't important. Whether you were a man or a woman, it was either you you pretend to be, especially if you were a man, uh, you just got to pretend to be happy no matter what. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, <clears throat> and like you said, with, uh, being in the war thing, uh, shoot, <laughs> uh, Bitteker, he, he is, he served a tour in Vietnam. So he, he saw some shit over there. And I, I wonder if any of that maybe had a, an influence on the crimes he committed after that. Because he did robbery, he uh, Grand Theft Auto, he did lesser crimes than rape and murder and kidnapping. Prior now, to did that. he do that? Did he do that before all of this? Or yeah. oh yeah, well it's it it's, was it's, Norris it's, that was in the Navy, or Norris. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Norris yeah, was, was Norris in, in Vietnam. But you got to <clears> realize though that the light stuff, like robbery, Grand Theft Auto, you know, drunk in public. Burglary. Yeah. Yeah. That is literally the gateway to the adrenaline rush. This makes me excited. But once they do it enough, it's like, eh, I ain't got that. Let's move on to the, let's, let's increase. Let's see what we could do. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, well, if I can get away with these things, what else can I do? What else can I get away with? Right. It's that escalation process. Right. And you can kind of see that through each of the murders, unfortunately, is that the torturing got worse worse. and worse because they weren't getting off the same, you know, as from the first one to the last one. And that's the, 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 the unfortunate part is that, and that's why you see a lot of like serial killers and killers, you know, they escalate from killing animals when they're children to killing people when they're adults, because killing an animal doesn't feel the same to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I could also put it into this perspective as well, it's like our generation right now, we grew up on Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, the the splatter slasher type films. As to now, we want more. We want harder. We want gorier. We want m- bigger faster, darker stronger yeah stuff and and it's i see it that way in in people like like them is it's like you can't that that's just okay this was in the past let's go bigger let's go harder because this isn't getting me off as much as it would be to strangle and and rape and rip off nipples and video record it type thing like yeah you have to push it further to get that adrenaline rush mm-hmm. let's just talk about that cringy i i know you, you talked about it before we started recording and i know <laughs> it, it, it it's super cringe but the uh 
the nipple tearing off, man, I, I have to say to, you know, to everyone listening, like it, this episode was hard for me to record and that part was cringy. Like I'm one of those people where I don't like that area being touched. So it just, it was super cringe, uh, <laughs> to imagine that feeling of it being ripped off. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, I, well, no, I don't want to imagine that feeling of it being ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> the one thing that really messed with me on that is is what was it sunday we watched a documentary we found on peacock tv there's a documentary about it mm-hmm. and they said that they uh when uh they had recorded that particular session on cassette and uh when they were searching lawrence and roy's van they uh after they had tried to thought they'd removed all the evidence out so they wouldn't get caught they uh lawrence accidentally had left that tape in the cassette player in the van and that's how they got busted. And then they played that tape in court, and almost the entire jury got up and left. Men and women got up and left and were just in shock of hearing this. And that's the crazy part, is that they use that tape to desensitize law enforcement, FBI agents, to the, to the potential crimes that they could be solving you know what i mean yeah that that tape is still used for but it wasn't today. the first victim though it wasn't lucinda that that wasn't the first tape because she never made a sound she knew right. what was going to happen she didn't cry she didn't make a sound nothing as yeah. they were what a man you know what though she i give it to her for not i i would be crying like a little bitch man i'd be fine I'd be fucking balling, man. Trump, because knowing that I'm going to die, but she, I give it to her, man. The strength and the courage to not give them that satisfaction took a lot on her part. Yeah. yeah. That was, I mean, you know, rest, she was, rest she, her soul. She was a trooper for that, though. And she was only 16. Yeah. She's the one that they, they had the coat hanger mm-hmm. that they... Oh twisted around her neck who was the one that they uh they put the ice pick in her ear oh actually it was there was two of them one of them was 17 or 18 and the other one was 13 or 15 wasn't it only one that they found her but it was just her skull and one of them had they used the same ice pick on one of the girls and stabbed her breasts and then one of the other girls they were they stabbed in the head it went in her ear and it broke off I think it's what it was. Yeah, the one that broke off, that's the skull they found. Yeah. The, the pick was still embedded. And you have that, and, and all the ages all the ages are ranging, like you guys were alluding to, from 13 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and it, in that- it was 13. She was 13 with the ice pick in her head, and the 15-year-old was the one uh, that got stabbed in the breasts with the ice yeah. pick. Well, they wanted that pattern of a girl, a teenager of each <clears throat> particular age. I think they had a 21. I just, I remember that part on that documentary. Mm. They wanted a 13, 14 from 13 to uh, 18. I think so. Which makes sense as right. Why the ages were so close. And, you know, back then, back then hitchhiking was, uh, was like all the rage, right? Like nobody even thought twice as to getting like Mm-mm. now where we wouldn't get into somebody's car. Right. I mean, we do, it's called Uber, right? But <laughs> you're not going to let a, a random stra- 
see, that's the hard part is hitchhiking is still around. It's just called something different now, but there for a while yeah. you wouldn't hitchhike. You know what I mean? You wouldn't get in random strangers cars. Um, but back then you would hitchhiking was, was a thing. You just stick out your finger and, and you get picked up and taken to where you go. So that's why, and a lot of these older ones that you see these guys being able to just pick up random people like this. And I don't know, would you guys hitchhike back then now? Like what's your take on that? Uh, well, uh, speaking as both a former Uber and Lyft driver, (laughs) 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 I, uh, back then I see, it's hard to say because it was such a rebellious thing to do. And we didn't know. And yeah, no one really knew it. A lot of people back then always seemed to have lived in that. Well, it won't happen to me. Dream, kind of a that dream state. Yeah. Like everything is a perfect yeah. world. Like I'm sure you grew up with your grandparents, not even locking their door. Right. Oh, we, we never locked our, for our house, cars, everything stayed unlocked, you know, and this was in the nineties. Holy shit. Growing up. Yeah. And and I lived I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, one of the highest crime cities in the country. Right. Did you guys ever have anything bad happen or was it were you guys lucky? The worst thing that ever happened to us was we went to uh a fair on a Friday night and somebody stole my bicycle. That was it. Wow. That's crazy. See, and I I always I remember growing up and my grandma, she wouldn't my mom locked our door, but uh, my grandma did not lock her door, and she lived in, uh, I grew up in Arizona, and she lived in one of the bad areas of town, and I never understood why she left her door unlocked, but it was that... Mentality. Respect thing, right? It was that mentality of people looked out for each other instead of messing with each other, so that everybody just kind of left everything alone, and it just, it, it kind of goes to that hitchhiking thing. You don't expect to be killed as you're being picked up, you know what I mean? I would. I would honestly, back in the day, in the 70s, I would be hitchhiking, putting myself in that mentality. If I needed to get to California from Louisville, Kentucky, I would absolutely grab a trucker. Hey, what's up, dude? Let's go. (laughs) Nowadays, I would be like, I'm going to be walking my happy ass there. mm -mm." (laughs) Nowadays, I'd be afraid to break down on the side of of a back road in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'd, I've done that before when it was pouring rain when I came back from getting my tattoo yeah. in Indiana. It was a two-hour back drive, back back way drive, mm-hmm. and I was alone. And I was like, oh, please, whatever deity that is is watching me right now, <laughs> let me get through this. I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to be someone's next victim. I don't know if I could. I, I remember my mom talking about it, you know, how she, she grew up hitchhiking, but I don't know if I could do it, man. But it's funny because... I alluded to it, but now you have Uber. It's basically the same thing. You summon a stranger to pick you up. (laughs) And no, like, it's not a bad thing. Like, but but there's, right, exactly. There's, there's, there's a trail and there's hopefully safety measures in place. So people don't get hurt. You know what I mean? With that, there is like, uh, as a driver, uh, there is like a, um, if, if you're in a situation, a dangerous situation with a passenger, uh, you can have the police ping your location within minutes at the push of a button on on the driver app. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. that's good. So what is your guys' take on the death penalty? If you're found guilty, then absolutely. 
if there is hard evidence against you, then you no, don't waste tax dollars and and in prison. Yeah, you firing squad hanging. <laughs> I I think um um in my opinion, the um um. Lethal injection is a pussy way out. Fuck that. If you... Calling old Sparky. Yeah, calling old Sparky. Old Sparky's who took down uh, Dahmer. In in my opinion, if you are found, there is evidence pointing to you and and solid evidence. No, you need to go. Especially if your crime is against children. Or, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. And what about the the from the perspective of being convicted if you're innocent? Like, what happens? What's your take then? So, if you're found innocent? Yeah. No. 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 So, like, there's been people put to death who end up being found innocent either after the fact or right before they get executed. What about then? Like, what what would be your hard line to put somebody to death? You see what I mean? That's where that. Because the capital punishment is a a hot topic, right? So it's one of those things where people who are innocent or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. What? Oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And so it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. I, I'm on the fence. I like to think that as long as there's enough, and I agree, any crimes against children should definitely... I, I, I believe in, like, uh, what is that, um, chemical castration or some shit... Yes. There's got to be something more than just putting them in protective custody in prison, right? Or a chemical sexual castration. Chem- chemical castration just doesn't. It, it doesn't help the facts. They could still right. do the crimes against children. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, there's there's other things they could do. But guillotine. <sighs> Fuck it, a, gu- a guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> if they're found innocent like right like 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 let's just say that they're not a hundred percent guilty right or something comes out after the fact like they've already been convicted they're on death row but then like because that's the hard part right there's guys like these two who are 100 percent guilty you know they're guilty they admit they're guilty and then they sit in prison for 40 fucking years and die of old age right but then there's other guys who have that there's that just that little bit of doubt who end up getting executed but then later getting exonerated because there's other evidence that comes out that exonerates them yeah that, that's that, why i say hard evidence if there's hard evidence against you that you have done this like the tapes in this instance the the the, the everything that they found evidence wise even in the 70s like that is hard evidence you need to die like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If I find this evidence, then you're going to die right now. Right now. There's no, you're going to, you're going to be, do not collect, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. No, you're gone. <laughs> right. Well, and that leads me to, you know, to the fact that, that these guys did sit in prison for so long and then they got to die of just being of old age. Right. And so they get to be a, a burden on the taxpayers for, for 40 fucking years mm-hmm. and then they just get to die peacefully and that's i don't know that's just super fucked yeah. up to me yeah it's when that happens it's definitely not fair to the victims but i would i would like to know as well 
were they in solitary confinement or were they in the general public? One of them was on death row. So he would be by himself. And the other one was, I think was in general population. The one who cooperated. Uh, Norris was in gen pop and And the other one was uh, Lawrence was, he was on death. He died on death. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think honestly now, now, Maybe back then, I don't know, because I'm not that old to go back then. But if they found out that you raped and murdered women and or children, you're done for in prison. I uh, I do see what you're saying about the uh, finding out later on that they were innocent. But in, in a similar in left turn, I'm sorry, uh, Damian Eccles from the West Memphis Three, uh, he was sentenced to death, uh, lethal injection. He sat there for 18 years before they said, okay, you're, yeah, okay, you're instant. Sorry. Sorry about that. Go home. So he got to collect $200 in Pasco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sat in, in on death row. He was on death row for 18 years. The other two boys. He got free parking. The other two boys were not. They were just locked up in Gen Pop, throw away the key. But Damien Eccles, uh, mm. he was on death row. So I am going to be covering the West, West Memphis Three. You and I had talked about it when you when you and I were going back and forth on social media. So how crazy, without going into too much of it, how crazy was that for you to live through that? It was, it was weird. It was, it. But at the time it happened, I was I was eight years old. It was 1993. So I didn't really understand. I all I knew was, hey, these three teenagers killed these kids that were my age. Holy shit! So and and I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, which is West Memphis and Memphis are just separated by the Mississippi River, and that's it. You cross you cross the bridge from one, you're in the next. So this was it happened like 15 minutes from where I grew up in Memphis. Wow. And the whole every, uh, if you were under a certain age, uh, by a certain time of night, go home and don't come back out. Don't even be in your front yard. Go in the house and stay in the house. That's crazy. Yeah. And it, and it was like that for a while. That is insane. Well, I mean, it's, it's good that they were, were trying to, to, to keep the general public safe though you know what i mean yeah they did they didn't want uh they didn't want to risk you know whoever did this to these three boys to cross the bridge and be in our neighborhood and then do it again so right. Right. within a certain radius of west memphis everyone go home stay inside and just lock your door until right. we catch whoever did this right that's crazy so mm-hmm. if you could face these two guys what would you say to them uh, if, if I could face them. Yeah. And what, what would I say? Uh, whatever, no, whatever words. you could say to them. No words. No words. I'm going to break your neck. No words. That's I got fair. nothing to say. You, you don't deserve to hear the sound of my voice. Not even a fuck you. Just, I'm going to kill you. They let me in the room with you alone. I'm going to kill you right now. There you go. <laughs> So this this comes from the the psychologist and and thinking side of things for me. I would ask Norris why why did you go along with this? What what pleasure did you get out of this? Like what 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 makes you tick? Like what 
what what was the thrill? And then I think and then kill him. <laughs> Bitteker, I would go a little bit more in depth since Bitteker was kind of like the head man, the lead man on this. I would probably ask Bitteker not only why, but innocence. Like why why were you taking others' innocence? Why right. why why not just let them go? Or why why did you have to kill them? Why did you see the need to kill them? Like what what raged you? What fueled your rage? What fueled it? That I would have so many questions though. Same. That's that's I'm with Mike though. Killing him is definitely the the end goal of it, right? Uh, but like you, I I like to figure out what makes these kind of people tick. You know what I mean? That human psychology, that side of where along the lines did this merge for them? Like, where did they get? Because I, I don't understand the the torturous sexual pleasure. Like that part just is fucking. Why? Like, what happened to make you... Because they usually say, like, when something happens, when you're, like, going through puberty, whether it be trauma or, you know, some kind of violent act where it fuses your your violence and pleasure now become one, and that's where a lot of these sexual sadists get it from is because something happened along the line that where they, they are now intertwined. You know what I mean? D was it... Bitteker or Norris, who was sexually assaulted or sexually abused, I should say. As a kid? As a kid. Was it Bitteker? It was Bitteker, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was Bitteker. Yeah, it was Bitteker. Yeah, he was the one that was sexually assaulted, which I could understand, or sexually abused, I should say, which I can understand that, that rage, that fuel to the fire for that rage. Well, the crazy part... And, and it's more accessible now, right? But the crazy part is, even back in the day, you could find somebody, potentially, who would be willing to be a sex slave. Or, you know, have consensual, non-consensual sex. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, it's, it's hard for, at least for me, to fathom why anybody would be getting off on rape. But the, from the perspective of, if you're going to rape somebody, at least let them go, is... Yeah, so I would rather be like, oh, I guess if I'm going to be raped. But I mean, but then now that person has that trauma, you know what I mean, for the rest of their lives. And that's yeah. debilitating I honestly, in a sense. As a female, I would rather be raped and let go than raped and tortured or raped, tortured, and murdered. Yeah. Even though the end result of murder would be release for me as to everything that I've already gone through. I would rather deal with my demons of being raped than not being alive anymore. Yeah. Totally from my female perspective. No, that's, that's, there's all sorts of validation in that. I agree with you 100%. If I was a female, I would have said the same thing. Me personally. I mean, and you can keep that in if you want to. <laughs> I'll keep you saying, I'll cut everything else out, but I'll cut in you saying you can keep that in if you want to. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and that's the that's the other that's a. I mean, that's not a question that I hope to have to ask anybody ever again, but that is a very valid point from a female perspective of, would you rather be raped or murdered, or would you rather just be raped and like, oh, I mean, that is, would you, thank you, I like that, that's a very good perspective that I guess I've never thought of before, so kudos to you. Thank Um, you. but, but, But again, that comes from a perspective of a white man who doesn't have to worry about being raped going to the fucking mailbox, right? So... There is that. Exactly. Trust me, you learn how to use your eyes and your peripheral visions and your hearing every day. (laughs) Oh, believe believe you me, listening to all these true crime episodes that I have. Are you worried about me? My head is on a swivel. (laughs) Also, I just don't want to get shot sitting in the car at work or something like that. You know, and that's something else that... So, uh, throughout this... Because I've been doing this now for a couple years, but... And I've talked about it before, but I didn't realize what women went through before getting into podcasting, right? Especially in the true crime genre. And uh, Mike, you're 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 an oddball, which is cool. I'm glad you're here. But most of the time, <laughs> most of my guests are females, right? Yeah. And so I've had a lot of conversations with females about what it's like just going to the fucking convenience store, going to get beer, oh, right? Yeah. Just going to get beer, right? Um, you do it before dark, right? And so it makes me sad for, and not in a pity sense, right? But it just makes me sad that there's a whole, what a, what is it, section of the population that can't do something that I can do, right? Like that, she can't live her life the way I do because she has a vagina. Like that just makes me sad, you know what I mean? That that we've it, accepted it sucks. that. Right. Yeah, it, and it sucks. It, it does. That's why you have that's why you have to call out your buddies. That's why you have to take stand for your buddies. Oh, dude, this girl last night at a party, she was totally fucking wasted and I totally banged the fuck out of her. Call him the fuck out, you fucking rapist. Oh, yeah, I will. You can't You can't let shit like that go. You don't fucking high five them and say, all right, man. No. You call the cops and be like, you need to check on this girl. Like... No pretty sure she just got raped last night or you know there's an instance that i've just ran into recently where um someone that i know uh was in a room with another a chick was in a room with a dude and the dude like stopped very quickly and tried to reach out and grab her vagina and like you can't be silent on that shit don't hide it because that's a sexual predator testing his boundaries before he could take it to the next step. How many... Hold on. <laughs> I'm about to stand up on my soapbox. Here we go. I, I got How it. Many I, times, I'm here for it. Yeah, same. <laughs> how many times would Bitteker and Norris... How many times would they probably have been like, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, oh, let me just... There's signs. There's signs you can see. There's signs you can follow. Why are you letting that go? Because if you let those signs go and you don't stop it before it gets worse, then you're going to end up in the toolbox situation. Yeah. Boom. Drop that, my girl. Throw it on the ground and step on that sunbed. <laughs> I can't. They're expensive. <laughs> here, use this one. Here, here, here. Use this old one. There you go. There yeah. We go. No, and that's, uh, that's a good point. 
it stops at you. If you know something is going on, speak up. Because if you don't, there could be another victim. If you don't, there could be your best friend could be dead. Your wife, your girlfriend, your sister. Daughter, Say something. Right. Yeah. And that's the crazy part too, though. And it's fucked up because if you, and and I know women live with this fear and that's why it takes men to stand up. You know what I mean? For women. But you as a woman, you're afraid to say something because you don't want, I, now you seem fiery. I don't think you're afraid to say something, but women <laughs> in, in, in general are, are, are afraid to say something because men are, you know what I mean? They, that person might be bigger than them because most of the time predators go for people who are smaller than them. Um, and they That's don't want to get. That's why I'm glad I'm fat. <laughs> <laughs> I am harder to uh, kidnap, baby. <laughs> I mean, but reality, I, I want to make a joke right now, and I swear to God, this is just a joke, but if they have candy, you're going to go with them. God damn it. <laughs> make it pie and you got a deal. Um, Wait, what kind of candy? What kind of candy? I said pie. Oh, I would be, I'd be fucking kidnapped if they had candy. I mean, let's just be real. Candy is good. Um, even, even now. Oh shit. You got right. some Twizzlers? Yeah, man. Let's go. <laughs> you, you got one of those vans? Yeah, it's fine. If, if, as long as you got a mountain of candy in there, we're good. Now, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's scary because then you get guys who, even when you're being hit on, right. When you say no, who freak the fuck out? Like it's your fault. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Call you every name in the book just cause you said no, you don't want that. You're yep. not for that. It. They never go into the backstory of Bitteker and Norris of like their relationship or their, their adolescent age of how well they were with women, which makes me wonder is if they were going after these, these, girls the the teenagers in their adolescent age is growing up and and they all turn them down is why they were kind of focused on the same well, physique and the same age range Bitteker was influenced like that as a kid because uh his he was told to do that kind of stuff to his female cousins as a kid and so to a, to a point, he was raised that it's okay to do this so, because mom and dad said to do it, so do it. So that's kind of that's kind of where. Long story short, my therapist told me there's a certain point in a narcissistic person's life, or when trauma happens at a certain age, that's kind of where you stop developing. And you're kind of stuck in that that mind frame, in that age range. So I I really think that maybe when that happened during his adolescence, that kind of that's kind of what happened is he got stuck in that adolescence, and this is what I have to do to get what I want, kind of thing. Because because you're taught that it's okay to, it is okay to do that when in reality no it's so not okay to that do that is this. the most not okay thing you can do to a person ever uh so do you guys have any final thoughts on these two fuck faces before we get out of here uh i'm glad they're dead i wish it had happened sooner 
I wish they would have died a more painful death than the comfort of four cold concrete walls and metal bars. I, I, Rape I, them, cut off their nipples, shove an ice pick in their head, and leave them on the on a hillside. I would take a potato peeler to their skin and then throw them in a very high chlorinated pool. Make them look like oh, Frank from Hellraiser. God. I like your mindset, though. The, the and, chlorinated pool is, is a nice little touch. A, a pool that has just been shocked. Oh, oh just dump, just dump pool shock on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then once they get out and their skin is just nicely crusted over, you peel them again to the next layer. Oh, Have a pig roast. God. <laughs> my skin is crawling right now. Fuck. I thought you said you never listened to true crime before. I don't listen to true crime. I have <laughs> I, a very I vivid say, imagination. Man. I was going to say, man, you better, uh, spoiler, <laughs> you better just, right? Sleep with one eye open tonight, dude. She's fucking coming for you. I, I haven't even so. touched half of what I would, I would put them on one of those little metal cones or make it wooden so that there's, there's splinters going into their buttholes as they slide down and just weigh their feet down as they slide and it gets bigger and bigger until they rip into two. But right before it gets to their throat, you take them off. And then you have like, like horses or a car just drive down the road as their skin is gone. And they're just driven down a a gravel path as people throw acid bombs on them. (laughs) So a new segment segment on the jury room, Tabby's Hot Takes. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to start having to record something every week now. (laughs) <laughs> you let me know, baby. I got you. I got you. Hot takes with Tabby Gray. I'm a special effects makeup artist, too, so I kind of like live for this shit. She can make it look fake. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, where can they find the Happy Hour podcast and all of Tabby's hot takes? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tabby just gets drunk and makes jokes. Just uh, link tree. Go to our link tree. That's link tree slash happy hour podcast three. And on it, you will find literally everything that we have to offer. All the socials, all the platforms, the merch store. It's all there. And obviously, I will definitely be check the show notes that the link will be down below to listen to Mike and Tabby of the happy hour podcast. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on, sharing sharing this last hour with me. I appreciate that. With that being said, before we go, I have one question to ask you guys. Do you guys mind answering? Sure. Depends on what it is. I'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is the game of truth or dare right now. It's what you rather. (laughs) (laughs) If you could be one sandwich condiment, what would you be and why? Oh, shit. Mustard. That's easy. Mustard. It's, it's, it's the most, everyone loves it. Not everyone. Okay, not psychopaths like it. Not psychopaths? <laughs> not psychopaths. Or psychopaths. Psychopaths hate it. Okay. If you hate mustard, unless you're allergic, that there's validation in that because it's a food allergy and I am and I have a food allergy. So that you have validation if you're allergic. But if you just don't like it cause, then you're a psychopath. <laughs> but <laughs> It goes it goes on burgers. It it's used as a binder for smoking meats. Yeah, but it doesn't go on a peanut butter and jelly. I mean, she's kind of got you there. That's I, I kinda, one sandwich. That's what about one pizza? Sandwich. You're not going to put mustard on pizza. He would. I wouldn't. Oh. Mustard, pizza's not a sandwich. 
Pizza, Thank you. Pizza is not a sandwich, just like a hot dog is not a sandwich, Caleb. Uh, I kind of beg to differ because you put sandwich condiments on a hot dog. No, but a hot dog is not a sandwich because a sandwich is two slices of bread and a hot dog bun is one slice of bread or one piece of bread cut down the middle. Okay, a so what dog. if you cut... Hold on, hold on. By that theory, what if you cut that hot dog bun in half because just like a hamburger bun, it's two pieces of bread cut in half, right? But a hot dog bun That's is just... Accident. No, is but a hot dog bun is just got a crease, right? A, a, a what the fuck is that thing called? A hinge, right? You break that hinge, you now have two pieces of bread with a hot dog. That's a sandwich. I, I'm sorry, but I have to agree with Caleb, and he's not even here. <laughs> no, Caleb would be mad if I said that. I, I actually, okay. I told him it was a sandwich just to shut him up because he he carried oh, he on for almost a whole drunk. episode on this. He came on hot and heavy. He was <laughs> rip roaring, ready to go. Caleb came Woo! out. He hit the ground running. Like we did our intro and he said, no, Mike, I'm going to cut you off. A hot dog. Is a, I'm like, wait, that's not what tonight's episode is about. I don't care. We're doing this. How many people this said is, hot dog is technically a taco? 64% of people on Twitter said a hot dog is not a sandwich on our, on that poll I made. Oh right? my that God. Was a All, right. All right. All right. My condiment, my condiment goes yes, literally with any kind of sandwich. Even PBs and J's? Absolutely. Okay. Butter, baby. No. Grilled peanut butter and jelly? I don't know. I've never had one, so I can't say. Well, but I'll make you one for dinner tonight, I, then. I, no, I'm making cheeseburgers for dinner. Oh, fuck. You know, grilled sandwiches. Yeah, no, you put butter on the buns, and then you grill them. Butter. Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, you're not... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen of the... Gentlemen and gentlemen of the jury? Of the jury room? I, I see what you that. did there. I see what you did there. Okay, fair enough. I... I like both of both of them, mustard and butter, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to put them can, on the same sandwich, but I do like them. You can though, if you, you if can. you grill it, if you fry it, even if you just put like a thing of butter and then ham and then and then cheese and turkey and butter. Butter a goes on sandwich, any sandwich. Though? Fuck yeah, yeah. I love uh, butter. I'll eat butter straight. It's true. I've seen her do it. <laughs> now, are we talking about real butter or fake butter? Real butter. Ew, oh, get that oh, fake shit out of you my mean, face. You mean margarine. Margarine. <laughs> Mike, Tabby, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm so I'm glad you guys came on to talk about these fucking nasty human beings. Thanks for coming on, and I hope you have a good day. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for having us. It's Thank been Thank you awesome. so much. Thanks for listening. And remember... You never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out, stay safe, and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room.